Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. Howdy. And uh, Tom is not with us. Um, you know, Tom's on this amazing uh, adventure. He has gone to a kitten herding convention. Oh, yeah. Which I'd never really thought was a thing, but it is apparently. And so he wants to herd kittens. And so he is off doing that. So I. Oh, and he's, he's going to do an exceptionally good job. And it'll be interesting, too, because it's the first time that a kitten herding convention has been held on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll be just grabbing at the sky. You well, I, know. Hope get, I hope he gets back safely. And uses so, a butterfly net. That, exactly. All these things. Those are great things to know. I uh, hope he's listening. So uh, he will be back with us next time. But uh, we are uh, excited here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, Sam, because we are launching into our Decalogue for Evangelization. How cool is that? Yeah, so we, we introduced this concept uh, in our last show. Um, and if you want to stop this show now and then go back and listen to that show to get set up for it, well, you could. Or you just listen to this one and whatever. Anyway, what is the Decalogue for Evangelization, you ask? Thank you, Sam, because... <laughs> because People need to know, and and so what what I've done in my life in terms of like what I consider the things that have worked best for me, the principles, the best practices, if you will, for evangelization in my own ministry, uh, I really came up with like ten things that that I employ, techniques, principles, whatever that I employ, uh, and I just thought, well, I'll share these with people, and we'll do a show on each one, and give people an opportunity to. You know, the, to use some of these themselves, and maybe they already do. Uh, maybe they have some other ones. Uh, but um, I'm going to go through these uh, ten in in ten different shows, and they'll be titled each one of the titles. But then also it'll say Decalogue for Evangelization. So you can look for those. You can Google them. You can go to our website. Uh, go to thecatholiccafe.com, and you can look up and find uh, these particular shows. Um, and the first one, um, well, you know what? Let's go through the Decalogue. I'll just run through it real quick. Absolutely. Right? So, number one, know Jesus and make him known. Number two, meet people where they are and journey with them to where they are called to be. Mm-hmm. Number three, live for the future in the present informed by history. Number four, back to the basics. Number five, make it relevant. Number six, collaborate to accomplish great things. Number seven, teach a man to fish. Number eight, salvation is born of the family. Number nine, it makes a difference to this one. Number ten, there is a God and I and not him. So uh, some of those sound a little mysterious. Some sound obvious. Um, And so if you want to know what the mysterious ones are, you're going to need to tune into those shows. Mm -hmm. Because we'll go into, we'll elaborate on what they are. So we're going to start with know Jesus and make him known. And so that might seem like, well, that's basically evangelization, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, I want to I want us to revisit and just I want to look at those words because they they speak volumes just in the words that are used and specifically this word no mm. and so I want to talk about that for a second. Um, back in Genesis chapter four verse one, as we're seeing the story of creation unfold, right? We find out about Adam and Eve and all their goings on, but certainly. What we have in the first verse of chapter four, we have this little um, this little line of scripture. 
And Adam knew Eve, his wife, who conceived and brought forth Cain, saying, I have gotten a man through God. Now, um, just uh, also, I want to point out that we're reading from the Dewey Reams version of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for whatever reason, I chose the, uh, the old-fashioned language, the flowery, beautiful language with the duffs and the duff-nots and the half-nots. <laughs> half um, I just think that's kind of neat to read that way sometimes. But I love the use of the word know in the Douay Reams. It's all over the place. And here Adam knew Eve. Right, so there's a, there's an interesting thing about knowing that we need to be aware of. I can know what day of the week it is. I can know a great recipe for banana nut bread. I can know somebody's name. But when Adam knew Eve, there was a baby. Right. So um, when we were in the playground, we might have said something, and so and so knew somebody in the biblical sense. I mean, we we were referring to. Uh, uh, marital relations. Yes. Right? And so, why would the Bible use the word know there? And, and it's interesting because uh, it happens several times, especially in the Old Testament. You see that word know being used, and then you see the fruit that is born of knowing. And what we're talking about here is this, this very intimate level of knowledge right. that Adam had for Eve. So, to know someone in that way doesn't necessarily solely mean in the in the marital embrace way right right it's not specifically and exclusively sexual i just want to be clear but it does talk about an intimacy a level of knowledge that is that is unique that is um that that is that is special between two persons right? right um if we go um also to um the prophet amos in the third chapter verses one and two it says Hear the word that the Lord hath spoken concerning you, O ye children of Israel, concerning the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore will I visit upon you all your iniquities. So here's, here's an interesting thing. I mean, certainly Jesus, certainly God knows all the families in the world, right? All the families in the nations. He knows the whole earth. He knows everybody. But when he says, I have known, right, he specifically says concerning the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt, saying, you only have I known. Mm-hmm. So when he uses that word know, there's, that's, there's, there's something there. In fact, um, when he talks about, I will visit upon you all your iniquities, right. I mean, this is, these are his children and they've disobeyed him. They're sinful Israel, right? But in that knowledge, yeah, there's a mutual recognition where they both can see and know each other. Right. Well, no, no, there's a relationship there between the two of them. Um, And it's only because of that relationship will he be visiting uh, all your iniquities uh, upon you. You I'm reminded by uh, something a friend of mine in college said to me that made an impression on me after he came back from a uh, first date that he was just over the moon about. And I said, what about this woman was so wonderful? And he said, you know what? At the end of the date, she gave me a knowing hug. Wow. Okay, Was had he read, read his Bible? Really? <laughs> I know, right? But just the way he said that, a knowing hug. And I feel like that's exactly what you're describing that God is inviting us into, is that knowing hug. Right, yeah. The, a relationship that is intimate. Mm-hmm. A relationship that is, that is totally revealing. Yes. Right, where nothing is hidden. And, and that, that, that's beautiful. And we don't have, when we, when we talk about passing knowledge... We don't really have that. Uh, St. Paul 
uh, in the New Testament talking to the Galatians in the uh, in the fourth chapter of his letter to the Galatians in verses eight and nine. He he uses the word no like forty seven times in one sentence. Now, of course, he has the world's longest sentences in mm-hmm. Scripture. But but listen to what he says here, so we can start to see these other ways um, uh, that you can um, use the word no. He says, but then indeed, not knowing God, you served them who by nature are not gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known by God, how turn you again to the weak and needy elements which you desire to serve again? In other words, how can you turn your back on God once you've known him? Yes. Right? So he's talking about what you thought you knew, you know, with these other gods. Once you've known the one true God... How can you turn your back on him? Right. And he, and he sees that word no as having um, different um, meanings. And so we need to understand what those meanings are. And again, he's talking about a, a profound knowledge. Right. And, uh, and I, I keep wanting to use the word intimate. And he does it again uh, when he's talking to the Corinthians in the first letter to the Corinthians. Because um, this, this one, listen to all the times he uses the word no here. Now, concerning those things that are sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he hath not yet known as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known by him. Mm. So, so that's helping us understand that Paul fully understood what the prophet Amos was saying, and fully understood what Adam and Eve understood, right? And, and there's a profound level of, so there's this knowledge, a passing knowledge that puffs you up. Right. It puffeth up. <laughs> I love the, the old language. But uh, so that knowledge just puffs you up and makes you think you're important. But the reality is, once you love God, now you have some serious knowledge because you're known by him. Anyone who's listening, who's ever listened to the early history of the church and thought, gosh, why were they dropping the hammer on the Gnostics so much, which was sort of the first heretics that were sort of dealt with by the early church, they were talking about having a secret knowledge of God that other people don't have. And what all of these scriptures tied together here, combined with Jesus saying all that secret will be brought to light, I mean, it tells us that, yeah, the, the church want, God is, the church is there because God wants to be known. Amen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And not just known about. Yes. I mean, there's a, there's a there's a person. Yes. Like God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit desire to know you and to be known. And this is important stuff, right? This is important stuff because Jesus uses this language, right, to to, to help talk us and teach us about uh, salvation and our own eternity and what happens. So if you jump to Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, we have the story of the, of the ten virgins, the five wise and the five unwise. And there they are, um, and, and, and they're all preparing for the wedding feast, mm. right? And the unwise didn't have lamps with oil. They didn't have the oil, so they wanted to borrow. So in the middle of the night, here, comes the, here cometh the bridegroom. Right. right? And, and so uh, what's interesting is the foolish... Uh, said to the wise, give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. The wise answered, saying, lest perhaps there not be enough for us and for you. Go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Now whilst they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. But at last 
came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, saying, Amen, I say to you, I know you not. Mm. I don't know you. It's like, well, wait, wait, did, did you hire them? Are they members of your court? You don't know their names? What does that mean? It's like, well, you're not getting in. Right. Right. So in other words, you can't get into heaven if you're not known. And Jesus is even more clear when he, when he talks about in uh, Matthew chapter 7, essentially judgment day. Right. Right. Uh, starting with verses 21 and, uh, through 23. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doth the will of my Father who is in heaven, he shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and cast out devils in thy name and done many miracles in thy name? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Right? Mm. Depart from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. Right. So it's like, wait, 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 wait. They prophesied in his name. They cast, cast out, out devils. devils. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they did all this stuff, and yet they are credited none of that. And he calls them workers of iniquity. He calls them evildoers because they didn't know him. Mm-hmm. So it's like there is something special about knowing yeah. Jesus, right? And I just want to real quick, we're going to jump to uh, the, the 17th chapter of John. Um, and this, again, is Jesus speaking. And this is when he's lifting his eyes up to heaven, right? This is his priestly prayer. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, right? That they know you. This, is, this was his mission. This is his prayer. This is his desire, that, that we know him. Right, And then you've also pointed out in John chapter 15, verse 15, something quite beautiful. I will not now call you servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doth. But I have called you friends, because all things whatsoever I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. But he wants to make the Father known as well. Through Amen. Him. Yes. Amen. So these are some really neat things to know about knowing. And, and the reality is Jesus is calling us to know him. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, that number one step in the Decalogue for evangelization is to know Jesus. But it has a second part. To know Jesus and something else. And we're going to – no, you can't tell now. Okay. I've already said it before, but but we're gonna we're gonna make them wait through the break, and then they'll get the second part. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Keep them hanging. Keep them hanging. So if you want to know the second part, you need to come back. Uh, anyway, before we take a break, we're going to remind folks we have a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Also, like us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Like and share our, our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. I know you'll want to come back right after this. And this is another great moment in church history. Little is known about the details of the life of St. Lucy. She lived in Syracuse in Italy in the early 4th century. One tradition tells us that her mother raised her to be a pious and holy young girl. She prayed fervently and often. St. Lucy decided at a young age to consecrate herself to God, but she did so secretly because she thought her mother would not approve. In fact, 
she had already made arrangements to have St. Lucy married to a wealthy and influential pagan in town. However, her mother, who had been ill for a very long time, was miraculously cured after her daughter prayed for her at the tomb of St. Agatha. She was so thankful to God for this blessing that when she discovered that St. Lucy wanted nothing more than to live as a bride of Christ, she eagerly and thankfully gave her approval to her daughter's willingness to live out her vocation. Her rejected suitor, however, was not as thankful, to say the least. When he heard what had happened, he gave St. Lucy's name to the local governor and told him she was a Christian. This was, in effect, a death sentence, as Christians at this time were being persecuted, most being subjected to unimaginable torture and painful deaths. Tradition tells us that St. Lucy's eyes were gouged out. In fact, she is usually depicted in artwork holding a plate with her eyes upon it. But even though she was blinded in this horrible way, St. Lucy would not recant her love of Christ. Finally, after much suffering at the hands of her persecutors, she was eventually martyred. The name of Lucy literally means light, and it was evident that even though she was blinded, she could still see clearly the light of truth that shone brightly in the fledgling church of the 4th century. And her clear vision can serve as a tremendous example for us. In fact, she has been named the Patroness of the Blind. We can all, in a sense, be blinded, blinded by the allurement of sin, and it is only through the mercy of God that we are healed. It is only through the light of Christ that we can truly see again. St. Lucy is one of the many Catholic saints who can help us see that light. By following in her brave and holy ways, we too can be healed of our blindness. Her feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on December 13th. I'm Bess Trzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Deacon Jeff here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. Yeah. And uh, missing our kitten-herding Tom Dorian. Oh, yes. And I hope it works out well for him. I hear... You know, the little kittens are probably meowing right now, and he's trying to get them all into a little herd. I don't know how that's probably well, difficult. And I hope he has his protein pills and his, his yeah. helmet <laughs> yes. with him. Exactly right. So we're talking about our Decalogue for Evangelization, my, my top ten principles for evangelizing. Uh, and, uh, and I went through them at the top of the show, and we're in the middle of number one. Yes. And that is to know Jesus and make him known. And we talked about... What it means to know Jesus, there's something special about knowing Jesus that's not the same as just like a passing knowledge, but it's an intimate relationship. Now, the thing is, we're built, like we had a show on personhood just recently, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're made for a relationship. Yes. We're made specifically for a relationship with God, and we experience the relationship with God also in a profound way with those with who we, whom we commune, you know, the people in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Relationships with the, each other. Um, and particularly like in a spousal setting, that husband and wife relationship is prefiguring, right, the, the, the relationship with you and God in heaven. And so there's a beautiful concept about this idea of, um, uh, of knowing Jesus and how important that is. Now, but it's not enough just to know Jesus, right? It's just not enough to, to sit on that knowledge, 
Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've got to make it known. You've got to make him known. So that's why the, the, the first um, rule in the, or principle in the Decalogue for Evangelization is to know Jesus and to make him known. It, it goes hand in hand. And um, I, I love there's um, in the 144th Psalm, we, we read this, Let all thy works, O Lord, praise thee, and let thy saints bless thee. They shall speak to the glory of thy kingdom and shall tell of thy power. To make thy might known to the, per- to the sons of men and the glory of the magnificence of thy kingdom. So what the saints do, what we do here on this earth, what we're called to do is to make known, right? To make known the might of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the glory of the kingdom. That's our job. We, it's not just to know it. It's to make it known. Right. Right. So we're, we're called, and, and we see that so clearly in, you know, the parting words of Jesus on the earth. So if we, again, go back to the, uh, 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 to the New Testament and we go to the, uh, the Great Commission that we, that we read in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Um, and Jesus coming spoke to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Going therefore, they teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all days, even to the consummation of the world. And again, consummation. We hear that word, uh, and that's a beautiful word, and we, we refer to marriage as being consummated. Right. All right. There's a level of knowledge, and, and when the when the when the world knows Jesus, they come under Jesus's righteous judgment at that point. Sure. Right. Now, again, we're reading from the Douay Reims, you know, from back in the 1800s with the these and the thous and the doths and the haths and the all those things that are so neat in that language. But essentially, what Jesus is saying in the in, in the Great Commission is go, mm-hmm. go. Therefore, don't sit. It's not sit. Therefore, or wait. Therefore, or be quiet. Therefore. It's go, therefore, and you're going to basically make disciples of all the nations, and you've got to teach them. So we've got to baptize them. We've got to teach them. We have to evangelize, and that's a powerful thing. And, you know, St. Paul gets that. St. Paul, in his, um, when he's speaking in the Acts of the Apostles, um, you know, basically he's out and about. He's doing his thing. He, he's, he's on mission, and he talks about that mission and essentially what Jesus put him on mission. And he says this in uh, the 20th chapter of Acts, verses 22 uh, through 24. And now, behold, being bound in the Spirit, I go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost in every city witnesseth to me, saying, that bands and afflictions wait for me at Jerusalem. But I fear none of these things, Neither do I count my life more precious than myself, so that I may consummate my course and the ministry of the word which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So it's like my life doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. I I give it over willingly. It's not more important than my life. Wherever I go, I'm going to Jerusalem, and they're going to pummel me. They're going to put me in jail. They're going to beat me up. He doesn't know all the bad things that are going to happen to him. But you know what? It doesn't matter to him because I've got to tell people about what I know about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's, he's not laying his life down just for like a set of rules or, 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 or beliefs on a piece of paper. He's not laying his life down just for this sort of abstract notion of, hey, I, when I die, I hope that's not it. I hope that there's something yeah. afterwards. He has met the person 
of Jesus Christ. Right. Jesus Christ personally addressed him when he was not when he was uh, you know Saul. Saul, why yes. are you persecuting me? Yes, and so he is saying, "I want to make known." This person to you, which is exactly at the very heart of what we need to be doing when we're introducing somebody to our faith. It's it, we're introducing them to a person, to our friend. So it's it's everyone. We're all on mission. Once you know Jesus, you are obligated. I mean, it's like it, it's a natural fruit of that knowledge. So Adam and Eve, when they knew each other, bore fruit, right? The fruit of a child. But but when you know Jesus, fruit is born. <laughs> I mean, there is something born of that relationship, and in, in Paul's case, he speaks of it, and this is his mission, and what's born of that relationship is more relationships, more people to know Jesus, that you are spend, especially you're sharing that gospel, and every single one of us is called on that mission. No one is left out. But I'm hearing in my heart right now that there could be some folks in the audience right now who are thinking, you know what? I might not have ever really met Jesus. I've mm. been to church all my life. How can I evangelize if I haven't gotten to know him? How can I make him known if I don't know him? So know him. Know him, yes. Yeah. So, And there are many ways you can know him. I mean, certainly we're reading the scriptures. You can know him in the scriptures. You can, you can know him in, in the beauty of the earth of creation, right? But, but I think one of the beautiful things about being Catholic is we can really actually partake of the divine nature in Holy Communion. Yes. So we can know him in the Eucharist. I mean, literally we are taking him in. And and becoming like more like him by partaking of the divine nature in, in Holy Communion. And also we know him in the confessional. Yes. We know him in, in all of the sacraments. In marriage, we know them know him in our spouse. And so it's amazing how many ways we can come to know Jesus. And once you have that knowledge of him, then you want to share it. And if you know a priest or a layperson who's on fire with God and you're like, Well, I know that this person knows Jesus, or a deacon, of course, uh-huh. then also don't be afraid to approach them and say, I think you have knowledge of God that I don't have. We are all called to go on mission. At the end of Mass, ite misa est in Latin, go and be sent. Right? The deacon sends you forth. You are sent on mission when you receive him in word uh, and in sacrament at Mass. And so that's something that we can all do, and we're all called to. So know Jesus and make him known. The, the, the first law of the my Decalogue for evangelization. <laughs> so uh, you want to find out what the second and the third and the fourth and what those all mean? You're going to have to tune into the uh, subsequent shows that we do about the Decalogue for evangelization. But it should be an exciting ride. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes, absolutely. So we're all, we're all called to be on mission for Jesus Christ to know him and to make him known. And you know we can especially know him through his mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners sinners, now and and at the the hour hour of our our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.